Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. And this week, it is a podcast series about James Bond. And on the other mic, he he likes his he likes his martinis stirred, not shaken, because that's the the proper way you're supposed to you're supposed to have them. Um, our is the film inquiry James Bond expert Jake Tropola. Hey, thank you very much, Jesse. Glad, happy to be here. Yes, uh, Jake, you you have been someone who I've been wanting to have specifically for this episode because for I I correct me if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It feels like the last like year and a half or so you've been writing these uh very entertaining kind of recap reviews, sort of counting down to the most recent James Bond movie, No Time to Die, which came out this past weekend. And you are, uh, I guess, in 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 my eyes, kind of a a expert on on this property, so a perfect person to have on and and talk about this the cinematic legacy. Yeah, well, well, thank you very much. Um, I uh, that's correct. I I had originally anticipated No Time to Die to come out. I believe April twenty twenty was one of the original dates, and. As we all know how the world turned out, it got it was actually, I think, the first film that had the uh, wherewithal to delay its release date. And then everything that, else that kind of right. followed yeah. its lead. And so I thought, you know, I've I've run through the series multiple times. I've seen like each film at least five times, I would say. And so I thought, oh, I'll give myself a fun little project because, you know, most people are just at home. I'll figure I'll. I'll watch all these movies that I love. I'll write a little piece about them, and then we'll we'll count down to the new film. New film gets delayed twice more, um, but uh, that only extended my deadlines to uh, to write these. So I did get a little lazy in the in the interim months of uh, December through March of this year. But uh, yeah, it uh, it's it's out. We finally have the new film, and I finished all the uh, the my recaps and. I I saw the film last week and uh, boy, am I excited as ever to talk about it. Yeah, uh, similar to you, I, you know, in the once it got delayed um, that that first time I decided like, well, as a quarantine project, I will go through and rewatch as well as like many for the first time watch just all of the Bond movies. Um, Yeah. So I first want to ask you of like, you know, it 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 occurred to me as I was driving home from work today of like mm-hmm. we've almost had this character for sixty years in movies, and yeah. it's pretty in in incredible that this franchise has managed to stay sort of in the center of movie culture and be kind of like an event series for so long. So I want to toss it to you of like what what do you think it is about this property or this character that has has made sort of generations of audiences kind of eager to line up around the block to see on the big screen. God, that's such a great question. Um, I'm not even sure how well prepared I am to answer that, but uh, I, I think there's honestly what it just boils down to is that there's just something endlessly cool about James mm-hmm. Bond. It's just a cool guy who can do cool things and he's increasingly good or exceedingly good at everything that he does um and then with that there's uh the charm and the wit and the character behind it all i mean you know the the exotic locales the villains the the women the vehicles all of it uh, each film is just uh, uh, it's uh, you know there's a formula of course but i think each film offers something new and exciting each time and there's just they're just so endlessly fun and rewatchable and i i hold it near and dear to my heart as like a series that you you honestly could look back and and go revisit any of these films anytime and and i I, you know i don't know if i'm going to alienate any of our listeners here but just to compare it to something like the marvel cinematic universe i think that that franchise is really just kind of a one-track mind you're only on board with the current thing until the next thing comes out because it's not it's not really a a franchise i think that like rewards repeat viewings it's there's not a lot of a skill in the filmmaking behind those films it's just kind of they're all setups for the next film where there is whereas james bond you know has been around for half as long as cinema has and each one 
stands on its own as its own thrilling adventure. So I, I think it's a, it's a combination of those elements that really make it something fun for, for everyone to return to. Yeah, I think I, I also want to piggyback off something you said of like, I, I was thinking as I was sort of rewatching all these movies in, in the last year of it, mm-hmm. James Bond as a property is, is at <laughs> sort of a contradiction in that it is both like incredibly malleable while also like very formulaic. It is sort of like malleable in the sense that it it is able to uh, as as you enter new eras of this franchise and as new stars come in to inhabit this character, they are able to sort of bring their own sense of personality and sort of bring out certain things in the character. Um, as well yeah. as like kind of like you said, there there is a sort of for better or for worse, depending on sort of the listener's grand feelings about james bond as a franchise it is there is a formula to a james bond movie and sort of like that is very easy to pick up on when you're watching like four in a day or something of seeing like oh okay there there is a and and i kind of like there is a a business side of my brain that's like kind of can't blame the broccoli family if there's a little bit of a like if it ain't broke don't fix it (laughs) sort of formula to this stuff and obviously some of them there are movies throughout the the franchise that have tried to sort of um maybe push the boundaries of like what that formula can be in different ways but i think it is sort of this like uh this comfort food thing for a lot of people and like what it sounds like to you of like you you know what you are getting with a james bond movie for the most part there are the you know there's the sort of filmmaking aesthetics behind a bond movie that is very very clearly defined and there's the gadgets and the girls and the exotic locales like that yeah and and it it, i think that is something that has kept it sort of in the the hearts and minds of audiences for so long is like people know what a james bond movie is even at this point you could have never seen a james bond movie but you aesthetically know what a james bond movie is if that makes sense yeah, no, it's it's definitely something that's ingrained in the culture. But yeah, you mentioned Comfort Foom. These films are all like even even the ones I don't like, I'll happily rewatch because the, mm-hmm. the whole series is just a big warm blanket for me. And uh, or like you could say each one is like a it's a giant quilt and you can go to each square, offer something different. And I think that's, that's so perfect. <laughs> I, I and that's also what what I love about the series is that, you know, there is a formula, of course, but every iteration of the formula is different and and like every there's something for everyone people people can say roger moore is their favorite bond and and they love his films people say connery is the best people say brosnan is is you know their favorite everyone has their favorites and i you know i don't think any two lists are like alike of what people love in bond and i think that's a beautiful thing is that whether or not you love the whole series or just select parts i think there's definitely some films that are that you know some people you know have their preferences but i think yeah there's just there's just plenty of for people to enjoy out there and it's just it's just a great thing to watch the series evolve as you rewatch it and how things change and you know the, the leaps they take and the like you said some of the creative um creative swings that they they do throw at you it's all just a beautiful thing to watch and it's very it's very warm and familiar i i uh, i i can't get enough of it to be quite frank so let's maybe talk about it, some of our like favorite Bond movies or is, sure. is there a specific like Bond era or Bond star that you are particularly drawn to? Well, I'll, I'll just come right out and say that I, I'm a, I'm a Timothy Dalton uh, fan. Wow. Um, his, we're, his we're t- generating some incredible content right here. Cause I, I, I'm, I'm just like on edge waiting for your, your take on this because timothy dalton's actually like my least favorite of, of all it, the bonds. oh okay interesting i'd be curious to hear why but um i i you know they're the all I, first of all let me just say i love all the bond actors for various mm-hmm. reasons and i i think you know tim none, nobody could have gotten anywhere if connery had not been so good at what mm-hmm. he does you you rewatch dr no you see him light the cigarette and say the famous bond james bond to miss sylvia trench I mean, it's instantly iconic, and he just does it so effortlessly. And Bond just arrived to cinema fully formed. Mm. Um, but my favorite version of that is Dalton's um, Dalton's take on the character. He wanted to, after seven Roger Moore films, which you know most people just kind of recognize more as the fun 
goofy bond um very, but very uh, had, like winking and 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 kind yeah. of like knowingly over the top yeah he knew he knew that you know what these films were and he i think treated it with the right temperament at least for what his bond can do but dalton just kind of just took the character to like this new like bond was just this existential being and there was there was this this bitterness and him being fed up with being an agent and and it really shines in his he only had two films but he it really just shines in his performance and you know daniel craig is certainly a favorite bond film for many people but i don't think daniel craig could have gotten where he is if not if timothy dalton had not laid the groundwork some 25 years previously and um i think uh yeah there's something very dark and and wonderful about dalton's take on the character that i i find really compelling and i think uh, performance-wise, I think he's also maybe the best actor to have uh, taken on the role of 007. Um, so that that's my answer for my favorite era of Bond is the the two Dalton films. I think are pretty much pitch perfect. Yeah, I'm I'm maybe a, a cousin to that, and you know, I think for a lot of people, um, you know, the the Bond star you are drawn to is sort of the Bond. Or for most people, I feel like it, the Bond star you're drawn to is like who you got into the franchise with. And I was sort of like the right age to get in the James Bond, like when Casino Royale came out. So okay. to me, Daniel Craig is, you know, I, I agree with you. Connery is, is, is great and sort of like lays the groundwork for that character. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I would maybe argue that Connery looks a little fed up and some of the later Connery, some of the, the post uh, Thunderball Connery movies, he's a little kind of like, uh, had a couple too many gin drinks and um that's that's definitely true especially you only live twice which was the first time he called it quits like he just he filmed in japan and the the paparazzi would just not leave him alone and right he he hated the broccolis and he wanted out so yeah his you know his his performance it's fun to kind of you can kind of chart it rise and fall right exactly Um, (laughs) so yeah but um yeah so craig you were saying yeah, I I mean similar it's it's kind of a flip with you with Dalton of like I I think Craig to me it gives the best performance out of any of the 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 Bond actors and I think um I actually agree with you of like kind of taking Dalton sort of being kind of a precursor to what Craig would be doing in mm-hmm. those movies. I think maybe the reason that I like Craig so much and then maybe why I sort of feel a little alienated by the Timothy Dalton movies is I feel like um Craig is able to add more more clearly I think this sort of like emotional vulnerability underneath the the kind of like this cold mm-hmm. bastard personality that I think is sort of like and and a little bit of like a wry sense of humor in places that I I think is kind of like the extra little like turning of the key for me of maybe like what I, I sort of find alienating about the Dalton movies. And like, I had never seen those before. And when I watched those two, I was just like, I, I, I like Timothy Dalton and other stuff. And he's definitely a good actor, but of just like, it's not connecting with me here. Whereas, yeah. um, you know, Craig, I think is not just giving a great movie star performance, but I think giving like a really terrific character performance and adding like a lot of different layers to that character that, you know, as, as fun as, connery or brosnan or even roger moore to some extent are in these character in those movies you know craig I, f- I feel like just adding um these layers that that are were otherwise kind of unexplored in this series yeah and and craig is is i mean he's he's excellent uh don't get me wrong i i would yeah. i would probably put casino royale as maybe my favorite bond film uh period in the series Okay, yeah, that was going to be my next question of like what your your favorite uh, if if you had like yeah. a running top 5 or something off the top of your head. So, I mean, yeah, I could probably I've been playing around with a list in my head for a while now, but like I would say Casino Royale and then second place I would actually go On Her Majesty's Secret Service uh with Lazenby is uh is is uh <laughs> my, my second I was like um, then, fist pumped in cuz I I I really really love that one and and I'm so glad that it is like come around from like not being very what being kind of written off at the time it came out to now yeah I, I think people finally like respect it as one of the the best in the series 
those those two just watching them um after as soon as i watched casino royale or on her majesty's secret service they're the only two films in the series uh especially on her majesty's i would say they're the only two films that i immediately want to rewatch as soon as they're over mm-hmm. there's just both they're both just so incredibly well done and there's something beautiful about each of them that uh like you know they 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 kind of break the mold of what a bond film is and what it could be and and uh, on Her Majesty is especially just it, it just such a a risky Bond film to begin yeah. with. It, you know that's it also ends with a, a sucker punch like like Casino Royale does. And I think uh, I think Lazenby quite frankly gets a bad rap. I think he's pretty fine in the role. He's got a great yeah. physicality. He seems he seems more at ease with the humor than than I, I will concede than Dalton does. Yeah, but, he's, uh, he doesn't have yeah. quite you know, he's doesn't have quite as like firmly developed of like a movie star persona as any of the other Bond right. stars, even someone like Dalton. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think he's like bad in the movie. I, I like when I watched it for the first time last year, I was like, I I've heard so much shit about him in this movie that i was just like he's fine he's good he he works as just sort of like um you know a a piece of this like larger project as opposed to sort of like standing outside it if that makes sense yeah and the film itself is also like it's just one of the richest in the series Mm -hmm. as far as like formally like i think everyone with connery leaving everyone had to really kind of step up their game yeah, to produce a, a better looking film. It's it's stunning to look at, and um, yeah. I mean, even compared to like as fun as a lot of the Connery movies are, you you know, like um something like Goldfinger. I feel like for a lot of people, that is sort of like the the kind it's of platonic, yeah, the pl- kind of platonic yeah. ideal of a Bond movie. It is sort of the Bond formula executed to at its most kind of iconic level. And but even like I would say on Her Majesty's Secret Service is like in terms of the action sequences and the the sort of visual aesthetics of it is still like light years ahead of that. And it's only like a couple of years afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. And even like Diana Rigg in that movie, I think, is maybe my favorite Bond girl and the like rare yeah. uh, even with, you, you know, um, Vesper and uh, Casino Royale, who Eva Green plays like. Those maybe being the two mo- like most well written Bond girls, and on Her Majesty's Secret Service is kind of this like interesting, um, you know. I'm sure we'll we'll bring it back when we get into a little bit of spoilers with the the new movie. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it it is sort of an early rare case of this series um, dealing with kind of like real life or death stakes and kind of consequences for decisions that happen in the movie, which is like very, very you know, a, something that would get explored more in kind of some the Dalton movies and the Craig movies, but it was like un totally unusual for like what the Connery movies were doing at the time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, and then you mentioned Goldfinger, but actually I would say it completing my top five, number three on my list would be, the film prior to Goldfinger, which is from Russia with love, mm. which mm-hmm. I think just as a pure spy film, uh, that's the best one in the franchise. Yeah. Um, I, there's a lot of great global intrigue in that. And, um, and red Grant and bonds fight in the train is maybe, maybe just like the peak of action, uh, at least until the parkour chase came around in casino Royale. Right. right. But, uh, that that's just such a, a well-crafted handsome picture um and then you know i've already i've touched on why i love them but the two dalton films would round out my top five so living daylights and license to kill both i love for various reasons i love living daylights is dalton's take on the classic bond film license to kill abandons most of the bond format completely to go on a solo revenge mission and it's it's incredible it's like the bond miami vice movie yeah crossover basically (laughs) and that's the thing too is that each each bond films later on especially from like roger moore on a lot of them just kind of ape what's popular in the at the time like roger moore's film is first film living let die is a take on black exploitation movies and then Mm -hmm. man with a golden gun had a lot of like kung fu cinema thrown in there so a lot of bond is aping really what's popular um i think a film that moonraker is is the like the like 
the Star, Star Wars. Wars is really popular. Is there a Bond movie that has like a space aspect of it? Quick green light that. Well, it's funny because with The Spy Who Loved Me, which came out before Moonraker um, was released, there was a, a two years after the film Jaws came out. Of course, there's a right. villain named Jaws. Exactly. Uh, at, the, <laughs> at the end of The Spy Who Loved Me, er, like uh, all the way through the end of the, the Moore films, we always got James Bond will return in and they tease the next film as uh, For Your Eyes Only. But then Star Wars came out and it smashed all expectations. So they said, nope, we're going to we're going to pause that. We're going to bring in Moonraker first, and then we're going to bring Jaws back into that because everybody loved Jaws. Um, I have a real soft spot for Moonraker, to be honest. It gets it gets a lot of hate, but I think there's actually something quite wonderful about that that crazy movie. Last time I saw it, it just kind of hit me as a pure slice of Kino. It It is like for, um, you know, it. It is sort of the jam- as close as the the series has gotten. Like where the Fast and Furious movies are these days mm-hmm. is sort of like kind of the the level that those Roger Moore Bonds are sort of operating on, and just sort of like the over the top kind of go- winking goofiness of them. Um, yeah. That I mean, Moonraker is sort of like what I think of is like you know it's not my favorite of the Roger Moore movies. I think Spy Who Loved Me is sort of the one that um, I I probably gravitate gravitate towards the most um but moonraker as you sort of mentioned is that is the one that like most comes to mind when thinking of the roger moore era um the last one i would probably mention which is a bit of like a a basic person pick but i i really love skyfall and like skyfall along with casino royale and maybe goldfinger is the one that i've rewatched the most and you know just ticks the kind of like film nerd boxes of like it's a james bond movie shot by roger deakins and you know it's it's got that like incredible opening theme song and mm-hmm. um I don't, I don't know and and me as someone who is more kind of all over the place in their feelings about the james bond franchise um you know i like the idea of a james bond movie that is both sort of celebrating the franchise while also deconstructing the character at the same time um yeah and and i would say that I don't know. You know, it, 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 my favorite would probably like, cha- it's probably like you. It would probably change depending on the day. Like one day it will be Honor Majesty's Secret Service. The next day it'll be Casino Royale. Next it would be Skyfall. But I, I, I think yeah. we kind of threw out kind of like a great kind of collection of movies that, you know, if anyone is trying to get like their quote unquote best of Bond, I think that's kind of like a good bunch to start with. Yeah, and we haven't really mentioned him, but the first Bond film I actually ever saw was Goldeneye. Um, oh. I, a friend of mine, yeah, had a copy at his house, and we actually we played the game uh, a lot, the N64 game. is probably mm-hmm. what most people, their affinity for that film probably ties back to that game, which is just one of the best multiplayer shooters ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but Goldeneye, I think, is... Uh, Brosnan's run, I think, is maybe the most uneven of any of the Bonds. Um, yeah, it's... it's but, Goldeneye is the one... I, I quite like Brosnan yeah. as Bond, um, but Goldeneye is really the only one of the four movies he's in yeah. that I, I, I would actually, like, gladly just rewatch again. Goldeneye is, yeah, the one that's really great, but actually, um, the uh, the world is not enough as that holds up well, I think too the the villains in that are particularly strong. But um, when it comes to being Bonds, I think Brosnan is comes with the most balance uh, mm. of any of them. He's he's not part like he's not very strong in one area, but mm-hmm. he's not necessarily the weakest in any other area. He he kind of does the the action, the humor, everything is just very well rounded uh, in his tenure. So it's it's uh, you know his couple of his films may not be up to par but they're generally not his fault he's he does what he he can and he actually he brings a nice balance to the films um but yeah goldeneye i think is 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 by far and away his best film yeah i always kind of think of him as like the most sort of sensual bond i don't know why but he but you know my memory of most of the brosnan movies is always like him it's always specifically the scenes of him sort of seducing the bond girls in that movie and maybe it's because like in my family like all (laughs) growing up as a kid all the women in my family were just like oh pierce pierce brosnan that's that's the the apex of what (laughs) the male species can (laughs) can achieve but um yeah so i don't i don't know i always think of like that's the most sort of like 
him as the most sensual and sort of romantic of of the James Bond stars in a weird way. He does get it get it on a lot in his films, to be fair. Yes. So, uh, yeah, your family was not off base in saying what they did. <laughs> uh, so let's maybe talk about the new movie, um, No Time to Die. Uh, sure. I think for the sake of listeners, we can first talk about it in a sort of general sense. And then I will give a very clear spoiler warning. And if you're still listening at that point and haven't seen the movie, it's your own fault. Um, because I would I say this only is... Fair. This is a very, very spoiler-heavy Bond movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so kind of what were your initial thoughts for it? I, I only kind of know from your social media and letterbox that you were pretty thrilled walking out of it. Um, how, 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 how is it to you in kind of the grander Bond experience as well as kind of like as a send-off for Daniel Craig because I, I think the biggest thing people know about this movie is this is like been touted in the headlines is like this is Daniel Craig's final last stop as James yeah. Bond um do you know that I mean you probably do know this but like it it kind of surprised me until earlier this year that he has played Bond for now the longest period of time out of any actor which is yeah. weird because you know like connery and Moore are like cranking them out like year after year but like as it's, as far yeah. as the period of time even though he maybe doesn't have as many movies under his belt as a connery or a Moore, it's it's you know since 2006 yeah. it's been like 15 years or something like that that's that's correct he's the yeah he's the longest incumbent bond um and i guess that, that ends with this year but uh yeah, I, I think we're I, I miss the days where we just get a new adventure every two years. And mm-hmm. I mean, just to just to live in the six, 60s and get a new Bond film every year through the end of the decade. And like, what a time to be alive uh, back where they only cost a million dollars to make. And now that's like <laughs> part of craft service. Um, but yeah, Craig, you know, had uh, like he had the longest running um group of films if not the most films um and that's you know partially you know a pandemic did delay some of this but um yeah as far as uh no time to die goes i was uh eagerly anticipating it and i finally got to see it and um just the short non-spoiler review is that i loved it um i thought it was stunning uh, i think it's a tremendous send-off to uh cinema's most beloved super spy i think there's just it's filled with brilliant moments that are pitch perfect and i am very happy with how it turned out the way it did uh it is not perfect but i would i i i can't i can't wait to see it again but i would honestly probably stick this in the top 10 of all the bond films yeah it, it it probably fits a top 10 for me too i think you know if i'm going to focus in more specifically on the craig movies it's probably like um it doesn't, at least for me personally, it didn't quite reach the heights of mm-hmm. like uh, a Casino Royale or a Skyfall as as sort of like reaching the the peak of what this the series can can reach. But yeah. I did, I was like thrilled that it was so much more entertaining, and I had such a blast watching it compared to um, Quantum of Solace, which I I don't like at all. I know there is like an internet like revision of that movie going on or um you're you're not alone you're not alone here with quantum i'm not a fan yeah uh, of that one i think it's i think it's largely bad but um and then i i personally wasn't a big specter person either and i i actually like waited to revisit specter until a few Mm -hmm. few days before i went and saw no time to die and hadn't seen it since theaters and um i don't know what your opinions on that movie are but i the first hour or so i was like was i wrong is this movie actually like really awesome and then it got to like this it it was sort of as the movie like went further Mm -hmm. on i i kind of find that movie a bit of a slog especially into the last hour um as sort of like impeccably crafted as it is yeah i i really appreciate i think i walked out of that movie back in 2015 2015? yeah and was just sort of like i don't know i i i feel like we're we're 
being a little too self-serious with this, especially if we're going to like get the Blowfield stuff back in here and Spectre. And um, I, I, I enjoyed that this movie um, had a sense of uh, kind of pop colorful uh, visuals as well as like a, a real sort of like fun sense of energy to it. And yeah. I, I think that's, you know, partially, and I don't know. I think this movie, as opposed to the last two, which felt very clear, like the Sam Mendes vision, this mm-hmm. feels like a lot of different people kind of working together and it's a little bit messy, but it also just feels like everyone's kind of bringing out the best of each other Um, with, I, I think, you know, this is, as you mentioned, like a gorgeously stunning blockbuster movie that i was just like i'm so glad that we get movies like this again after the pandemic and yeah. but also it's like beautiful in a way that's different from the two sam mendez movies and a lot of the other bond movies like there's so much like gorgeous colors from off of different lights and um you know it feels like every outdoor sequence is either in like dusk or like the magic hour of dawn and there's like purple and pink hues all through the skies and there's just like a real kinetic sense of energy to the set pieces that i think carrie fukunaga brings and you can feel the sort of like kind of peppy cheeky sort of bantery humor that phoebe waller bridge clearly brought to the screenplay um, I don't know. I, I, there are aspects of this movie that when we get into spoilers, I think didn't quite totally work for me, but I, I had a really fun time watching this movie and I, I actually look forward to seeing it again and seeing if some of the areas that didn't work for me kind of just sort of get shaved away because of how fun, just like the whole aesthetic pleasure of it is. Yeah. Let me, uh, uh, I, 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 I agree. Um, Almost completely. I, I was basically grinning ear to ear through most of No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to rewind real quick, because um, I haven't really given my thoughts on Skyfall. Uh, I think Skyfall is a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I saw it, I was convinced it was the best Bond film ever made. And through repeat viewings over the years, I've, I've learned that that's not really, uh, for me at least, that's not how I feel anymore. Uh, it's mm-hmm. kind of lowered in my esteem. Um, but I do still think a lot of it is fantastic. And of course, Deacons shoots the hell, hell out of it. Um, but uh, Spectre, I really enjoyed uh, when I first saw it in theaters. And I kind of never really understood the hate around it. Yeah, there's the whole Blofeld reveal. But um, I've, I think that's a film that's only gotten stronger in my estimation over the years. And I think, I think now that it no longer has the burden of being craig's final film mm-hmm. um because i think if craig stopped after specter people would be let down with how how everything turned out but now right. that it no longer has that burden of being the final film in his series um i think uh, people will probably look back on it more favorably um or i don't know maybe i'm wrong but uh, i that's my prediction um but uh, no time to die i would say this is uh, craig's second best film after uh, casino royale Interesting. Um, I th- I think uh, I with Quantum Spe- Skyfall Inspector, he's his performance is more steely in those movies. I think mm-hmm. this really brings back the lightness of touch that he has in Casino Royale. I, I think definitely a lot agree of that, that. A lot of that charm returns. Why I loved him in the first place, just because just because the little things that he did in Casino Royale, uh, I I are the like the moments are what I look back on when I think of that film fondly. Uh, and and I think maybe that's a credit to uh, the screenplay, which was co-written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I'm sure she's brought a lot of her her wit and her charm into the picture. But yeah, this is uh, No Time to Die is just a very pleasurable, thrilling and satisfying experience. And it's great to see a Bond like being funny again and also just seeing uh, Daniel Craig, like knowing how how he, he felt after Spectre, like just the post press mm-hmm. on that was was not fun for him. But just knowing that he's really feels engaged throughout this movie was just such a such a great thing to see. And I'm glad that he literally ends on a bang. It's just such a it's such a great send off. Yeah, he definitely you can tell he is having a lot more fun. And I, I remember being surprised when I heard that he was going to do one more after mm-hmm. Spectre 
actor because I I like like what was his quote? He was I, I think he's said in like recent years that like people were kind of like misquoting him a bit, but he said he was kind of joking about like I'd rather slip my wrist than do like another one of these because I think right Spectre it sounds like was a very uh tense demanding shoot, um but he he's yeah. clearly like having a ball here and I like have him getting to have fun in this movie. I also think, um, you know, I don't think this is necessarily a spoiler thing to say, but this is a, a more, this is the most, um, well, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Cause I think Casino Royale is like pretty romantic in places, but this is like a very, yeah. very earnest and very, very emotional sort of love story bond movie. Like I kind of hinted at earlier, I think tonally and what it is trying to go for story wise, the closest movie, um in sort of bond history to it is on her majesty's secret service i think carrie fukunaga and everyone involved is kind of trying to go for that that vibe and i don't think it's a spoiler to say that this is a movie that has like a very kind of complicated plot that involves like nanobots and something with mm -hmm. rami malik and revenge but i we can kind of get into that but i don't think that's i think all that stuff feels very very in the background and it's it like i'll use a a, a little anecdote to to sort of explain what i'm saying of like there's a quote sure seth, seth rogan says about like when they're when they were making super bad and how like the plot of super bad is about like these two high school boys trying to like get drunk and get laid and all that stuff but the story of super bad is about these two best friends who know that they're going to part ways after college and sort of dealing with, you know, the the idea of like, oh, are we going to go our separate ways and what's going to become of our friendship? So yeah. the plot of No Time to Die is all of this stuff with like nanobots and whatnot that we can get into if you want. But if we don't, it's fine. Um, yeah. The story, I think, is it is about is a love story with Bond and the uh, character that Leia Sedu played in Madeline Swan. Yeah, Inspector. And she kind of continues as the Bond girl here. And it is mm -hmm. this sort of like many years sort of romance that is really the central piece of it. Just like on Her Majesty's Secret Service is the James Bond movie that's actually like a spy romance. And I like I don't remember what the plot, the actual like mission of on Her Majesty's Secret Service is. But I remember it as the, the <laughs> movie where Bond gets married and there there is this like big romance plot to it if that makes sense and and i yeah. i kind of like that they were willing to go for like a really earnest like sentimental um story with this movie i, I thought that was kind of like an inspired choice considering how kind of like psychological and and sort of broodings a lot of the craig movies have been up until this point yeah the now just to touch on um because we've said plot i think you take a bond film pull out all the elements that make up a mm -hmm. bond film um in my opinion plot is the least important it's i, I would uh, agree yeah it's it mo mostly it's just villain wants to do thing mm -hmm. um how the film carries about that business fine uh, i i want i just want to see how it conduct i'm i'm more curious with how the film conducts itself more than what the actual plot is i'm not mm -hmm. i'm not going to see no time to die just to see safin get revenge on tar dna targeted nanotechnology that he plans to unleash on the world uh which is his ultimate scheme but uh yes. that's not that's not why i signed up for it i'm here you know i'm here to like to see like like bond and felix like just play a game of like where they're throwing quarters at each other right. in, in the bar and like just great little moments like that. And I, I'm, you know, I'm here to, uh, and, and Madeline Swan, Leia Sedu, uh, she's kind of been posed as like this new love interest inspector, which I, you know, whether or not you think that's credible, fine, but I think she's fantastic in this movie. And, um, on, I honestly, I think all the women are probably the best thing about, uh, no time to die. Yeah, I, know it's, I would it's, agree. It's, it's, it's Craig's final hour, but, uh, you know, he's surrounded by just such a great team. And uh, yeah, everyone, everyone truly shines in this movie, um, except for maybe Rami Malek, but we'll get to him. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 really just uh, going back to what I said. It's like I'm I'm looking for I'm looking at the, the character beats. I'm looking at the, you know, the moments that make up the film and just the, the little touches is what that's what I seek out in a Bond movie. And 
And uh, and this also has a benefit of like it really leans leans into nostalgia, but it's never feels um, like ham fisted or unearned. It's very it's very like loving to the franchise and Carrie Joji Fukunaga is definitely a fan of the Bond series. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that I think my two favorite films are also his two favorite films and that 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 clearly shines and and shows itself throughout the throughout the No Time to Die's runtime. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a tremendous uh, film. I I uh, couldn't be happier with it, to be honest. Yeah, I think the other if we're going to, you know, uh, talk about I think my favorite scene in the movie, you know, speaking of the women in this movie, the the Cuba interlude with Ana de Armas was like I yes. I had like my hands in the air of like this is exactly like everything that I like wanted this this movie to be and and you know if we're going to talk about sort of highlight scenes from the the movie i think like that she's only in it that one scene in cuba but that it has such a fun exciting kind of kinetic energy and she's so um just like bubbly and like excited to be there and craig clearly is like excited to be with her too i thought lashana lynch as I don't know how much we can say about that character, but another kind of just like all the women in this movie, I think have like a great chemist. Well, we'll get there. I I guess I could say most of the women in this movie, I think have great chemistry with Craig. I think my one complaint is as much as I like Leia to do, I never, I think the one thing that I'm interested to see this movie again and see if it works for me a little bit better, but I think, I never thought that her and Craig had that much chemistry together. And that's just me personally. And I Mm -hmm. wonder if I would have been, especially when we get into spoilers, like where this movie goes as it, as it gets into its sort of like back half. I wonder if more of the like heavy emotional beats of this love story would have overwhelmed me more towards Mm -hmm. the end. If, it was maybe someone that he had a little bit more intense chemistry with, Um, you know, for example, like him and Eva green in casino Royale is so hot. Like them just like looking at each other from across the bar is like some of the steamiest stuff you'll ever see in a movie. And, and they have this just like great combative energy to them. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think Leia Sidhu is bad in the movie, but I, I just kind of wish it was someone that I, I felt that sort of intensity and spark with a little bit more if we're going to do a full-on, like, emotional bond romance movie. Yeah. But um, it, it sounds like their romance worked for you a lot better than it did for me. Yeah, it's to touch on the Vesper thing real quick. Um, it's really un- it's really unfair how un- extraordinary she was in Casino Royale because mm-hmm. literally her her presence and then her absence has kind of cast this long shadow um, across uh, the rest of Craig's films. And mm-hmm. prior to that, I think the strongest Bond girl, like you said, was uh, Tracy Bond and on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And I, it's probably to Connery and Moore's benefit that she was only in the Lazenby film. So you mm-hmm. only think of her as being with Lazenby. So anyone who Connery or Moore would then end up with is not, you know, they're not overshadowed by her. But yeah, uh, uh, like Camille in Quantum of Solace uh, is, is a, not really a strong Bond girl. And then um, that's the, about the Bond... as much chemistry as like, if, yeah, like a person with like a block of wood basically like they that yeah I, I, they have like zero chemistry in that movie yeah and the bond the bond woman in uh skyfall is m of course so yes. you know it's 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 a different kind of love that they have but um madeline i, I you know i get that they're they're they were trying to paint her as the love interest inspector but i think it does actually work here in no time to die and there's mm-hmm. there are moments where i do see that she feels this way she does about bond and um i mean should we should we get into the spoilers of it all yeah i i think i would i would only mention as we get into spoilers like um it's interesting you know comparing feeling like the relationship worked better here than inspector because i there was like a a a brief like radio interview i heard with um carrie fukunaga and he Mm -hmm. contributed to the there's a bunch of different people that contributed to the script um throughout its its the writing process and i guess the i wonder if the the madeline swan stuff was a lot of stuff he brought because i think 
in this radio interview I heard with him, he specifically mentioned he was, was like said that that romance did not work for him in um Spectre and he was like I he felt like we they needed to do a lot more leg work and spend a lot more time building that as a sort of central romantic relationship in this movie. So yeah. which I, I I think is a good instinct of, you know, to now uh flashing red lights, flashing red lights. If you have not seen No Time to Die, <laughs> stop now, but please come back. Um yeah, Just, so yeah. uh James Bond has a kid and James Bond dies. But, so, all, all right. Well, the, sorry for I anyone mean, who were, didn't hop off warned. in time. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I I guess um, as as a fan of this franchise, like I I feel like the biggest thing that this movie probably over the years is going to be known for and is is kind of a bold stroke. The more I think about it, I mean, it as I was watching it, I was like, oh, I mean, this kind of fits in with like you know you mentioned the marvel stuff earlier of like you know giving robert downey jr his send off and in game and stuff but even thinking about how rare it is for the bond franchise to kind of mold the formula of what this movie is and how rare it is to have a sort of like finality and and as we said sort of like real life and death stakes to stuff like killing yeah. james I almost feel like that's the main reason Daniel Craig came back is to be like, I'm going to be in the movie where they kill James Bond. And, and like now everyone's going to remember, like I was the James Bond that died in the movie. Yeah. And boy, do they kill him. Um, what, what, what were your thoughts on the fact that they actually went all the way? Um, I, I found it a little, I think it works. I was maybe like unsurprised by it because I think, um, I, you know, did not see this movie opening night. I saw it like a couple days mm -hmm. later, but already there was this buzz of like, stay away from the internet that something happens, big spoilers happen. And so I was oh, like, oh, yeah. does Craig maybe die? That like, that seems like some, like a sort of subversive thing they would do. So I wasn't necessarily surprised by it, but I, and, and like I said, I feel like it would have hit me a little harder had I, I been more invested in that that chemistry between him and Leia Sidhu but I think it's just like a a you know a storytelling device and his performance in that scene and the the sort of visuals of the you know the the missiles sort of traversing the sky and mm -hmm. and then like slowly descending like I it's kind of beautiful the way it's it's constructed and yeah it's it's very very like it is kind of the the central scene to what I was talking about earlier of like, this is a very like sweet sentimental movie. And like, that is a big kind of like melodramatic emotional moment of him, like being on the phone with his, um, his significant other and his daughter, like right behind her and, and telling them that they, he loves them before he gets blown to smithereens. I, I, I found it effective. Yeah. I um so when this film premiered um it was the, the Tuesday before the week I saw it and um mm -hmm. basically as soon as people started not posting spoilers but just like general thoughts uh I immediately ghosted the internet I like mm -hmm. I put all my apps into a folder and I I threw my phone away and uh I I stayed off um everything so I I went into this about as blind as I could and uh I the thought of killing him off it did cross my mind as to whether or not they would do it um and then i was getting the sense that uh oh it, it's you know everything's gonna work out then you know i kind of had this dawning realization oh they're gonna they're gonna actually do this and mm -hmm. i i uh i'm not in the least i was not in the least bit upset like i mean obviously i was upset it's one of the most tragic moments in the series but like i'm not i'm not mad that they did it i'm actually i think they earn killing off bond especially since yeah. more than any other bond actor we haven't mentioned that craig is the only one who's kind of had a more serialized approach to his films because each each bond actor is just kind of they work as standalone adventures there's some mm -hmm. references but there's not really it's more nebulous bond craig's bond it's all this film follows this film follows this film this is the the final end and this is just his his own little era has a finality to it and mm -hmm. yeah the 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 payoff of it uh, is it's it's very beautiful and uh, very very sad and 
um, going into the daughter thing, um, I, I, if you're, if you're listening to this, uh, listeners, you may not be familiar, but I'm actually, I'm an expectant father myself. And Congrats. I, uh, thank you. And, um, I, uh, so I don't know if I would have loved the reveal of Bond having a child had mm. I not, had I not have a child on the way myself. And, um, and I think the film earns that as well. And I think, you know, the, the addition of Matilda and, as as something that he wants to fight for uh is is also just a very beautiful thing and just as a natural part of life um you know some people are like i go on i went on reddit a lot after i saw the movie and people are just hating these these two reveals bond's not supposed to have kids or die and Dick over yourselves. I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm like, okay, it's, I'm just laughing to myself that these people are so upset over this, but um, I, I'm, I'm really quite happy with how No Time to Die turned out the way it did. Yeah, get, yeah. get a heart, people. <laughs> it's a beautiful yeah. thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, and I, I found it really, especially as someone who is is a fan of on her majesty's secret service like i i love the i i thought i i just had this big grin on my face and almost got even more emotional with like the that the ending that this movie plays out and and i should have known it was coming because there is sort of like the you know the cute little like goodbye thing or or the cute Mm -hmm. little couple phrase that Craig and Seydu say to each other is, you know, like we got all the time in the world. And so I was like, oh, well, that's kind of like a fun, you know, callback to the 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 Louis Armstrong song yeah. from um from that Bond movie, which is is maybe my favorite Bond theme song, actually. And, and how did and, you feel? And I loved it like when when that like when the song actually came in and that was the like final goodbye song as Leia Sedu and 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 the the daughter are riding off into the sunset. I was just like, yeah, that that actually is kind of like a note perfect choice to to sort of have to sort of flip the tragedy of on Her Majesty's Secret Service and then yeah. have the kind of like that sort of like painful loving reflective song to to sort of ride out the movie in a way and yeah and it literally looks like they kind of drive off into a an iris closing gun barrel um right i the yeah the 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 final uh, again i had been loving the movie up through the end and the the choice to end with that song Mm. um could not have been more perfect i was i was just i i i i almost wanted to stand up and cheer in the theater i did not of course right but i was i was really like i you i was like you guys you you pulled this off this is incredible i i don't understand how anyone could not be less than happy with what i've just witnessed um it's yeah you know i'm I, maybe i'm biased because i i went through all the i've been through all the films several times and mm-hmm. so i maybe pick up more things that the casual viewer may not notice but i i still i think i think it's a it's an, an incredible accomplishment that that uh, again also just as a sense of finality like uh, comparing it back to marvel like you know you have avengers endgame and it's a a decade plus 22 film set up to kill the main villain and then oh they finally did it congrats you well done iron man dies whatever oh now it's phase four okay great now we got more of this shit now it's like no this bond actually delivered finality which is very rare in the blockbuster era and it's a great looking movie too. It's something mm-hmm. I I want to see just to just to soak in it. Like I I knew I was in good hands almost immediately when Bond and Madeline are driving through Italy at um, like at sunset magic hour, and you get the nice vistas. And Hans Zimmer is not a composer I'm ordinarily a fan of, but I think he hits a lot of right notes with the score here. He's great. It's just so much people doing such great work in the film and. And yeah, I I I uh, I'm just very I'm pleased as punch with how it turned out. Well, maybe I don't want to be too negative, but maybe sure. one person who I'm a little unsure. I don't even think he's bad in the movie. I'm just sort of just like do not understand the character, and I and maybe yeah. it's also because um the character is I think like an afterthought in even in the movie as we kind of hinted at until he sort of 
the the the, the kind of plot mechanics require him not to be. Um, yeah. Can you explain to me what's going on with Rami Malek in this movie? Like when I I I, yeah. I I sort of was able to sort of just like roll with it as kind of like this this is the sort of like classic Bond villain in their kind of like hidden island. Um, yeah. You know. His- cavern thing but i i just sort of like that was the one i I think my chemistry issue with craig and say is sort of like the the bigger broader thing that maybe keeps this from being like a fun movie to like a a, Mm -hmm. the a peak of the franchise but yeah you know i feel like the rami malik of it all is sort of the the fun kind of like low-hanging fruit to punch at of just sort of at the end i was like so what what was going on with that character and that didn't make sense and like we kind of have to grind the movie to a halt when we get to his island and he has to explain everything and i'm like what's what's going and because i think there's a nugget of an interesting idea in there of like he's getting revenge on specter and does Mm -hmm. his like plan for revenge go out of control but then i think because the movie is not interested in him then when we then when he inevitably has to become this big part of the plot at the end it becomes a little um disorienting and i kind of don't get what's going on with that performance or that character like he's a poison merchant or something like that maybe it's ultimately not important but yeah it the the way that i don't know how the the poison of the plants connects to the actual nanobots being used to infect people maybe the nanobots are carriers of the poison and and like he's targeting people based on their dna so you can pass the the nanobots from person to person and it will not kill you unless it's literally targeted to infect you it's actually an, an mi6 project that they were developing as the super secret weapon um again this is all just the MacGuffin, but um so his name is like literally lucifer satan and uh his his closest analog in the series is uh is actually dr no um who yeah that d- makes sense. does not does not appear until 90 minutes into his own film mm-hmm. um because in malik is largely except aside from the opening and then one scene where uh madeline meets him for her therapy there you know she's his psychologist uh he's largely kept off screen until the final act of the film mm-hmm. um and then that's just also where people are complaining that it kind of falls apart uh, i never got the sense that it did fall apart i just think that malik uh rami malik is i think his performance is a little too mannered he's Mm -hmm. just trying to be weird he he is kind of an inherently creepy looking guy um but uh i think the performance is a bit mannered and i think just his overall motivations are maybe a little undercooked um him wanting to get revenge on specter is a neat idea he was poisoned by mr white madeline's father who is a specter agent and uh he gets his revenge but then he still grows to want to kill the rest of the of the organization um and then once they're gone um like specter gets wiped out in this movie which yeah. is something like a lot of bond is the only person who dies like felix Leiter is killed um blofeld is killed uh a lot of death happening um I, but I, yeah i did have to say i was I cannot believe I enjoyed Christoph Waltz back as Blofeld as much as I did of, of someone of like that. Yeah. None of that worked for me. And I like actively did not like him in um, Spectre, but yeah. here seemed to be having like so much fun doing like a Hannibal Lecter shtick in, yeah. in his like one scene with, with Craig and kind of having like a fun kind of uh intimidating banter there that that scene is just like i think another perfect example of like this movie having a a certain um sense of playfulness that that maybe had not been in like the last couple craig movies um that scene like in that would have been like a very gloomy like brooding at like mysterious scene of him like playing mind games with bond and something like specter but in this movie it gets to be kind of like you know a a kind of borderline funny interrogation scene until it you know turns violent <laughs> yeah yeah i i liked him too in this um as well um but uh yeah so malik's character i think you know there's if i mean if obviously if anything is going to suffer in a bond film i don't mind if it's like the villain's plot is the mm. weakest element because again i'm not showing up for the plot but uh 
at least just compared to uh, Silva or Le Chiffre, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think uh, Safin is not a particularly strong villain to go out on, um, especially since he's like the guy who ultimately gets Bond. And right. um, I, I do love that Bond, the way that Bond puts him down, he just kind of just it's like with a shrug, he just guns him down, which is great. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, obviously any, any, any complaints I have, they all really just kind of fall on the villain's shoulders, but, yeah. um, every, everything else works for me. Well, before, yeah. uh, kind of let you go, kind of sure. want to get, uh, some brief thoughts on now that this, this Craig era has kind of wrapped up where, where do you see the the series going from here? Or, or is there any particular direction that you think it, it kind of should go? Is there any actor you have in mind where you're like, hey, 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 Barbara Broccoli, get <laughs> sign this person up right now. Hey, so um, l- let me throw out a controversial opinion first. Um, I think if this is the last Bond film made in my lifetime and this is the last new one I ever get to see, I would honestly be perfectly content with that. Um, I would go back and rewatch the original 25. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I don't know where they can go from here. It's mm-hmm. gonna it, it would have to take several years of passing before they even consider rebooting it. And as as far as picking someone strong, um, you know, a lot of people are like throwing Tom Hardy and Henry Cavill in the in the ring. I I I say no. Uh, get those I'm guys. I'm kind of with you. Yeah they're too like they're too cavill is too wooden and i think hardy's just been they're both too tied up in other franchises yeah um i think had craig not been around idris elba would have been perfect 15 years ago yeah he's a little too old at like him and craig are basically the same age right they're like both in their mid 50s at this point yeah, they're 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 contemporaries, and I think even Idris has now expressed it, like he he says he's not gonna do it. So, um, but like one actor who I think would be excellent, and it works because he's young, he's English, and he's great. And one particular film that uh, I think Barbara Broccoli should watch is uh, Dan Stevens. Um, oh. I think yeah, I go, go watch the guest if you're listening. If you've never seen it, yeah, um, he he's really great in that. Um, and I think if they wanted to go, if they were to reboot this, I think um, kind of go go back to a younger, um, maybe possibly more insane Bond, but he gets more gadgets. Just uh, embrace the um, the the not uh, the spontaneity of it all, and each 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 make each installment just kind of more standalone, and not not have to worry about making a connected universe um so uh just uh yeah i don't know just uh have have fun with it whatever you do yeah i i kind of like the idea of um you know us getting back to a more kind of mm-hmm. kind of free-flowing like you like you said kind of less self-serious bond maybe um yeah. you know that i i've been thinking of actors who i i would like to see in you know i i even don't think like here here's an idea that i don't think they would do but get just sort of use bond for like a bunch of one-offs like like Mm. don't worry about let's sign on another actor for like a 10-year deal to be in like four or five movies but Mm. you know reach out to i mean carrie fukunaga is now the first american filmmaker to make one of these movies so i guess the it needs to be a British filmmaker, you know, pattern has broken, but you know, reach out to, I'm sure there's a lot of great British filmmakers and a lot of great action filmmakers that would love to get the chance to like play around with this character. And, you know, can, you can probably get some interesting people to do interesting takes on James Bond of, you know, like, could there be a, a Steve McQueen made James Bond movie with Daniel Kaluuya? I would see it. But, like, I don't know that I would necessarily want Daniel Kaluuya on for, like, five or six movies because I want Daniel Kaluuya and a bunch of other stuff. Although Craig has clearly, you know, had a very robust outside career from from Bond. But, you know, that something like that of, like, you know, have it be loose to the point of, like, we don't need to sign one person for, like, another decade. But, you know, the the example of, like, what I said, which now I'm, like, salivating at that idea of, like, 
yeah, here's like a great British filmmaker and here's another great British actor that they have worked with before and sort of like what is their take on a James Bond movie and kind of each movie can be its own unique standalone thing, if that makes sense. So you want to see the standalone Christopher Nolan, Killian Murphy Bond film? <laughs> wouldn't that just be, wouldn't that just be like the Sam Mendes ones at this point? Like that's, that's why I'm like, I no, it would be, it would be Tenet. We got the Christopher Nolan Bond movie. He made it and it had like convoluted time travel and stuff. Inception. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. That's also, yeah. Yeah, so interesting. So you you would want to see more of a pairing of like an auteur and an established star and then just have their own single iteration of a Bond film. And so there would not be any more like like future runs of, of an actor. It would all just be like a, like everything would just be started from scratch each time. Yeah, I think that, I think like, I think something like that, at least, you know, maybe eventually we can get back to like a run of actor of like one actor doing it. But you know, wouldn't yeah. it be a kind of fun change of pace to instead of going through all of the, you know, the the press fanfare of like we gotta hunt down who the next like young British hunk to to play James Bond is? Maybe like do a pivot and say, okay, well for the next our our next run is going to be more of like an anthology run where the next we've picked out four or five directors. They don't even need to be like art house auteurs, but just four or five directors who have come to us and it was like, I don't necessarily want to make like a whole series of these, but I have an idea for a James Bond movie and it could be set in like whatever time period or like, I don't know that I necessarily want a Quentin Tarantino James Bond movie, but he always talked about like, he would have gladly made like a version of Casino Royale that was set in the 1960s and was like a sequel to On Her Majesty's Secret Service or something like that. Like, mm -hmm. let's do something like that. Let's just like play around and like be be free to sort of use this character in like whatever way we want. But as long as you sort of keep the, these kind of like core fun pieces of a Bond movie and just let it be this kind of like cool style piece for whoever wants to come in and has like a specific take for it. Interesting. Well, uh, I guess, you know, time, time will have to tell where, uh, where we end up. Yeah. Well, Jake, thank you for, uh, for joining us this week. Oh, thank you, Jesse, for having me. It's been great fun. And uh, if, if you're looking to dive into your own James Bond marathon, I would highly recommend reading any of Jake's, pieces as a as a fun little accoutrement to go with your your james oh. bond experience oh well thank you you're too kind i appreciate it <laughs>